What is up, guys? Welcome to The Real Build. I'm your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. What I'm going to be doing with this show is actually showing you guys what exactly you need to look for prior to buying, building, selling, or even renting a home. I'm going to bring in some of the top people in the industry so we can dive deeper into discussion about these topics and really give you guys the tools you need to learn and know prior to making one of the biggest purchases of your lifetime. So with that being said, guys, welcome to The Real Build. Welcome to The Real Build. I am your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. And today, my guest comes from Roseville, California. He is from a small Northern California town and was raised through hard work, cleaning cars, hammering out dents and painting vehicles, but he had a passion for more. His path out of the small town was through a bachelor's of science in construction management from CSU Chico. He married his high school sweetheart a week after graduation and moved to the Sacramento region where he joined Rudolph and Sletten. Inc., one of California's largest and most respected commercial contractors throughout his 11 years with RNS Coleman, managed several award winning projects. Fast forward more than a decade, they are raising two boys and being blessed with the opportunity to adopt their niece. Focused on family, faith, and hard work, he enjoys owning his ability to help people and organizations realize goals and needs. Coleman Jones, welcome to Real Build. How you doing today, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on. We just talked about this a little bit before the show. Uh, you're a commercial contractor, so I haven't really hit on that yet. So I'm going to go into detail on that too because it is very important. There's a lot of people that listen to this show that are curious about commercial. Uh, I am personally too. I'm more in the residential field, just stick there, but I'm happy to have you on. So with that being said, I like to always get started with your background. So who is Coleman Jones? Yeah, man, that intro is pretty killer. It hits on almost <laughs> everything, but like, I'm, I'm just a humble dude that doesn't really enjoy talking about myself, you know, but who am I? I'd like to say that I'm an awesome husband to a wonderful wife. And then I just try to guide and raise our three crazy kids to be respectable, happy badasses in the future. Um, we, we have a, a few businesses in our family. My wife runs an online clothing store. And then I have Jones and Lamberti Builders. It's a commercial general contracting firm in Northern California. And, you know, I just, I, what I love, what I've loved over the past three years is just really being able to build a business and multiple businesses and there's more things to come. So that's kind of a little brief overview of me. Yeah, I, I love it. I, yeah, I did give a lot in that intro too. I mean, let's touch on some of that though, too. So how, why the construction business out of, you know, everything you could have done, obviously in your intro, we talked about you working on cars. So why not continue in that, that field? And, yeah. how, you know, how'd you get into construction? It's funny enough. I kind of fell into construction. It actually started with a Ford GT supercar. And before that I, I did, I started in an automotive repair shop. My dad owned a body shop. So in middle school, I used to ride my skateboard to the shop after school. 
and my dad put me to work in the detail shop. So after the cars were fixed up, cleaned or painted, they were sent down to the detail shop and I would be the one that would clean them up before the, the customers got to take them home. And so that was cool during the summer. In the winter, it was pretty freezing, but I liked getting a paycheck. And so I worked my way up through the detail shop, got into the body shop. So I was pulling dents, sanding fenders, and then from there moved over to the paint department. And so I was prepping cars, painting cars, worked my way into the office, helped out with some of the estimates and found out early on that there probably wasn't going to be much of a succession plan for the business that my dad owned. He always told me that I needed, I better find myself, better get a job that pays well because I have expensive taste. He never really told me like I should start my own business. It's just like get a good job, you know, make good money. And so I moved, I graduated high school, went to community college thinking I was going to be a computer science nerd typing out code. And I went to that end job like the code the guys typing out the code and they were in this dimly lit room like all bundled around each other just punching out code and I was like holy crap man I cannot do this forever and so just one day my dad was like hey our our family friend just picked up this Ford GT you want to go check it out I was like yeah sure why not so we went and looked at it and he was in this super nice custom home he had this really badass car and I was like what do you do and he goes, oh, man, I, I build houses. I build residential homes and, and custom homes. And so I was transferring from community college over to Chico State, and they have one of the best construction management programs. And so I was, from that moment on, I'm like, I'm going into construction management. I'm going to be a home builder. And my first internship with, at Chico State was building track homes. And so I got out there and I was working with them. And within like two weeks, I was running the front end slab and everything. And the guys were like, man, I can't believe you picked this up so quick. And I, the meantime, I was like bored out of my mind. Just like, I don't know if I could do this the rest of my life. Cause this is just the same thing, the same foundation, the same slab, the same footprint over and over again. And so I almost quit Chico state, but my girlfriend at the time and I wanted to spend the summer in San Diego. So I was like, one more year, I'm going to do a commercial internship and I'm going to do it with whoever will pay for me to go to San Diego for the summer. And so I had two offers to go to San Diego. I picked up with Rudolph and Slutton. We went down there. I worked on the Museum of Contemporary Arts in downtown San Diego, and it was a great experience. My wife got to ride her beach cruiser to the beach every day. I got to build a museum and from there, I was hooked. So that's how I got into construction. Yeah, I, you're, I mean, your story, it's, it's unbelievable, too. And it's, it's crazy how everything, you know, kind of teared up to where you are now, going from residential to commercial. And, and then you kind of had that Wolf of Wall Street moment. You know, you saw the contractor with a nice car trying to, you know, you're like, what do you do? So it's, yeah. you had one of those moments, too. And I mean, you going through all these processes, I've, I've said this in the past to other builders. I mean, it's helped you get to where you are. You climbed the ladder. You had those experiences too. You going from residentials to, to into commercial, you know, it, it's, it's all the process and it's all you learning, but you learned it. You did the work, you put in the work as well. So that's, what's impressive about you. 
and your background in this. Um, you know, so like as far as you in commercial, let's get into that a little bit more because I definitely want to dive into commercial construction with you. So what services are you guys offering as a company? Yeah, so give you a background on JNL Builders. I, I am the Jones, obviously, Coleman Jones and my business partner, Garrett Lamberti. We both worked for the commercial construction industry for 12, 13 years. He comes from UC Davis. He has a mechanical engineering background. We, we like cut our teeth on some of the most challenging projects in Northern California. Like my first project that I started on was a Kaiser uh, women's and delivery, uh, women, women's and children's center. So they had delivery, they had neonatal intensive care units. They had operating rooms. It was Osh pod um, inspected. It, it was just really difficult projects. So we were running these jobs and to move up in the company, it was a thing where your salary kept getting bigger until you needed bigger projects to be able to support your salaries. And the large projects weren't always in your backyard. And so for me to move up, they were telling me that I needed to move three, four hours away to run a $200 million medical office building. And that was never in, in my mind an option because, like I said, I have a wife that I actually really love and I have three kids that we're trying to raise. And so <clears throat> JNL is a, a local company, and that's one of the key things. We don't want to send our guys out of town. But also what we found was when we had the opportunity working with Rudolph and Sutton to work on smaller projects, we were able to cut through kind of all the bureaucracy and the BS and actually work with the end user instead of like layers and layers of people that may not really like their career. They're just part of the construction process. The smaller jobs, you got to work with the owners. And that's where we really shine and what we really enjoyed. And so we started talking about JNL probably six years before we actually stepped out. So that's like a, a huge, like we should have done it sooner, but we had to put some foundations in, in, in plan. We, uh, like my wife and I, we went, we did the Dave Ramsey program. We paid off all of our debt and we started saving up a ton of money just so we can step out. So as time came to step out JNL, we left, in 2018 with just Garrett and myself. We left in March and we hustled and we did $750,000 in revenue that first year. The second year we were able to hire and fire our first guy and then pick up two additional great employees. So last year we did $3.2 million. And so this year with COVID, we lost probably a couple million dollars in revenue, but still we'll we'll finish the year out at 7.5 million. And so next year, the plan is to get to eight figures. And so with that, what services do we offer? We like to say that we're, we're a full service general contractor. And so we work with the clients to basically procure all of the construction aspects of the project. We can do pre-construction services. Our first project was a CM project, so um, construction management, where we were just kind of the owner's rep. We kind of steer away from that now and be more so a true general contractor. 
you were saying you were saying you do you started with small are you still doing just smaller projects are you on a larger projects now and what do you mean by smaller projects what's that entail as you were yeah exactly it's it's kind of funny it depends on which company you're with like when i was with rudolph and slut and the small project could be like 10 million dollars yeah. because they do a billion dollars in california for us the one to two to three million dollar range is perfect. We we are I think our biggest contract to date was almost two million dollars. So we don't care if it's five thousand dollars if we're cultivating a relationship or helping somebody out. We'll we'll do any we'll do anything to help out. You know. And and with with your let's go into your process a little bit here because i'm i'm curious of how you guys let's say start with getting a client and then from the client throughout the main uh construction and then even after you're finished how it goes too is it similar to residential you know obviously with us you get the sales and you get the client you build them a house afterwards you warranty it and then you maintain that relationship after is it similar let's talk about your process a little bit in commercial yeah it's different, definitely similar. So we're not, we don't go after public works jobs. We always have our, our assets handed to us. And that's because true public works contractors, they look for the holes in the drawings and then they bid low and then they yeah. come in with change orders. You know, that's not what we're about. We're about not this project. We're about the next 20 years of projects with the client. So we're going to take care of them no matter what, but yeah, it's similar we'll have a client reach out to us. They'll have a project and we'll go out and walk it with the owner. Then we'll bring our subs out, invite the subs to bid it, you know, go through the bid, provide a line item proposal. And then when we're awarded it, we'll hone in our schedule, prime contracts, subcontracts, all that sort of thing. And then manage the construction through the end, keeping the owner like in, in the loop the entire time. And then punchless walks, warranty walks. Yeah. Hold their hand all the way through and then keep going afterwards. So is the owner involved similar as in a residential, like a custom home build, like I'm doing, are they involved throughout, you know, do they do selections? Do they still do all that stuff? Or is it pretty cutthroat? You know, it's a, what it is, is on the plan. Cause I know with like commercial office space, stuff like that, it's, you know, how much selection do you really need? You know, and I'm sure you guys yeah. have your input on a lot of this yeah. too. So we're a design build contractor, but generally we, the owner will pick up the architect and probably an interior design okay. designer. So they'll pick out the finishes and then we'll design, build mechanical, electrical, plumbing, fire sprinkler, fire alarm. But yeah, sometimes the owner changes their mind and honestly, it's, it's all right with us. I, I posted the other day on Facebook, like, I was so sick of that cliche phrase that so many contractors use like on time and under budget. And we just finished a job that was overtime and over budget, <laughs> but it was, it was a build for a company that just bought their first building and they, we completely got the inside and um, constructed it for them. They wanted carpet that had a huge lead time. And so, it took another three weeks to finish the job. They wanted to upgrade the entire, all the HVAC package units. They wanted to make some upgrades from the drawings. You know, who am I to tell them? No, you know, it's, yeah. it's their build. It's, it's, it's like their home, right? They're going to, they spend more time in that place than they do their home sometimes. 
And so we're here, we're here to help, man. We just want to make them super happy. And so if they want to change things, we're going to find the most efficient way to incorporate those changes onto, into their project. Yeah. I mean, we all strive for on time and under budget, but it's like, you know, you see that then, especially in the, in my world as a custom home builder too, it's tough. I mean, these people, you're going into it with a, with a blueprint, interior designers are involved. You don't know what that designer is going to go with, you know, stuff adds mm-hmm. up. It's not going to be exactly like the print head layout. They're going to might do a custom built in here. They might add a specific tile that's $16 a square foot instead of $4 a square foot. Yeah. You know, this stuff adds up and you know, you're, you as that contractor have to be there to go with it, agree, do it correctly and do a good quality job installing these things and doing it so i mean i agree with you big time there over time yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and we we snap out all of our lines just with chalk lines you know and then we bring the owner out and we walk it and we're like hey it's cheap to move things right now and then Mm -hmm. so they walk it and move maybe move a wall or maybe say okay and then we we do all the metal framing and then they say, Hey, let's walk it again just to make sure. And then they walk it and maybe tweak a little bit or, or keep the same, you know, if it does tweak, you got to make sure that you have the, the furniture vendor involved because little dimensions, like they're working off of the drawing also to make sure all the systems furniture fits perfectly and make sure all the electrical um, goes in the right place for the cubicles and office furniture. Well, yeah, we're all for all yeah. for any changes that the owner wants. <laughs> Well, especially in your space, because you're doing how many square foot on average are you built? Are you building out usually? What do you? What do you? Uh, it varies: fifteen thousand, twenty thousand, yeah, well, forty thousand. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah. we're our, a big house with us right now. Our biggest we got is like six thousand. But I mean, with you, you have to have everything in that. Uh, you chalking out everything and making it correct because everything has to fit within such a large space too. So. Mm-hmm it's a major thing of what you're doing with the walkthroughs. And that goes for anything. I mean, for, whether it's 2000 square feet, people should be doing that too. And really mapping out what it's going to have. Cause once those walls are up, it's going to cost money to take them down and move them. And you can, you know, so. Yeah. Once you get drywall or utilities in the wall, that's like, that's like the worst when you're having to move a wet wall or something. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I saw something like, and I'm big with this. Uh, obviously, I saw it on your website. Company, your company values. You said you you stand behind your work, your relationships, your values. Uh, you say we are always available and accessible to ensure your needs are met. Client satisfaction is the only option for Jones and Lamberti. Uh, builders and, and were committed to making your project successful. So let's discuss this a little bit. Yeah. It, yeah. It's simple. Those words mean a lot to us. It's like so many newer companies these days, commercial companies will come up with a, a fancy name for their business. And we intentionally went to the old school with our last names because it's a big deal. We want, you know, construction's a big a big industry, but it's very small. Even though Sacramento area could be large, even California, you do something wrong and your name's going to go out there and you don't want it to be for the wrong reasons. So we put our last names to our company because we stand behind everything that we do. It's all about doing the right thing and having relationships 
it's so funny. It's like, I have commercial real estate agents call me and I pick up and I answer and they'll say, man, I'm so thankful that you answer your phone. It's like, well, yeah, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to answer the phone and help you out. And it's just, it's almost comical that the level of service that some of these companies have been able to get by with, it's just, it's, it's nonsense. And it's so simple to make people happy. It's just communication answer the phone call and like get back to people. It's, I don't know. It's not a secret. It's just silly that it's, it's not followed by everybody. It's, I mean, sometimes you feel like it is a secret though, because a lot of people, <laughs> you know, a lot of people just right? can't get it. And, and it's just, that's the thing. Like we're, we have our last name as our company as well. And, and I agree with you. There are a lot of companies out there. They'll just do a different name. And then they'll, if they you know, end up screwing somebody, they'll end up switching their names or maybe moving to a different part of the state or whatever and doing it all over again. Um, I, I deal with, and especially when times are good too, and we're busy and stuff like that. All these, a lot of people get into the construction field. Um, they don't know what they're doing, you know, and it's just, they don't have that communication with their customers. It's all about the dollar. It's all about how much we can make real quick and move on to the next. And it's just, that's not the right way to do business. It just isn't. No, no, not at all. That's a, a short-sighted way to do business. That's like so many people that are just worried about their salary or the dollar figure. And it's like, if you put that stuff to the side, if you're not worried about how much money you're making, it the money comes. It's, it's the service that you have to provide. And then ultimately, you know, the money comes with it. Just like actually truly be invested in your clients and their projects and worry about that. You know, it's like the money should be secondary because it shows up. It's that secret. You know, it's that secret that we like. Don't tell tell anybody. (laughs) Don't tell anybody about that one because, you know, if people find out about that, right? It's just, I mean, and that kind of goes into my next thing with you too because you say you pride on customer experience. I I do as well. And I've made it a major focus within our company about customer experience. I mean, I was just at a past customer's house today that is, I think we did their house. They're three years out of warranty now. And I still went over there to look at a crack and a stucco, Yeah, you know, and, and I didn't have to do that. I could have said, Oh, just have somebody, you know, he sent us a picture. I was like, no, I'll go over there. I'm going to go over there again tomorrow just to double check something, you know, because we, that's how we are as a company. We, they can call us still. We can go out of the way for side. Another customer called me today again, five years out of warranty said his outlets below his cabinets aren't working said did you check the gfis did you check your breaker yep checked everything okay i'll come by tomorrow at some point look at it that's my time out of my day but i'm still that just that little bit of time it might take me 15 minutes to say okay let's get the electrician here you know what i mean yeah so yeah it's worth it it's worth it right because it's like you do that and then they they need to build another home or they have somebody, their friends that want to build a home and who are they going to go to? They're going to go to you. They're not going to go to somebody else. Everybody likes to know somebody and be able to suggest somebody, even if they don't fully understand or know you, people find pride in being able to recommend other people. And if you're a home run, then it's like that person's credibility just increased so much more. So I, I make sure like, Whenever somebody recommends me, 
even if the person they said recommended me, like, I don't know who that is. It's, it's, it doesn't matter. It's like, I'm going to perform to the best of my ability and make sure that they're my new client and that they're super happy. Yeah. But yeah. So like priding ourselves on customer experience, like this last job that we did, well, I guess there's different types of projects, right? We work for commercial developers. And so they got it down. They know the process in and out. They'll hire the architect. They'll hire the GCA. I will work with them on all the entire project. Those people are educated and the projects go really smoothly and easy because they know they've seen it hundreds of times. There's the other ones that like the project we just finished up, the end user is the owner. They are also the individual that's running construction or answering questions. They can hire a construction manager, but do they really want to spend that few percentage on a construction manager? Sometimes they don't. And so that is a really fun place to be. You got a company that just bought a building that wants to do construction. They're nervous about it. They don't know what's going on. They don't know if we're the right fit. They don't, they've heard horror stories and then we're able to come in and walk them through it and just have a great time, have a fun time with their build and have them feel like they got what they actually, they got more than what they paid for. That's what I want the clients to to feel like at the end and it works out yeah i mean if you go in with that attitude every single time i mean once again back to the secret formula you know that that it's just if you go in with the attitude that you want your clients to have the best experience possible and be happy at the end where they're going to refer everybody they know to you because it went so smoothly i mean let's face it it's construction there's always going to be bumps in the road it's just how you handle those bumps in the road throughout that process is what makes you better towards the end of the, of the build too. You, you probably have them. Obviously you have them. We, I, I have them, you know, all the time too. It's just figuring out how to maneuver, being able to talk to the customer and get through it instead of just saying it is what it is, you know? And that's, yeah, that's the problem with a lot of builders or contractors too. It is what it is. We're, we're, doing what we, you know, they almost argue with the client rather than fix the issue with the client. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. It's, it's all comes down to communication, having being empathetic towards the client, what they're going through. And if there's a change or if there's a problem, you need to come, if there's a problem, you need to have a solution, you know, to recommend to them. And then if there's a cost change, you just need to talk to them, let them know, like, this is the reason that the change, either maybe they changed something, upgraded the finishes, like, and here's the price. And let me clearly show it to you. And I'm going to clearly show you what my fee is. And I'm going to clearly show you what my insurance is, just so you can see all these things. And it's not just one big, ugly number that I'm trying to shove down their throat. Mm-hmm. It's something that they can actually, it's tangible. They can see it. Yeah. And that's all what it's about is setting the expectation up front and telling people, okay, this is how it's going to go. Yeah. I had a conversation with a guy today. He was, he had a budget, he had a certain budget he had to be at. I told him I'm going to come in higher more than likely. He doesn't have a plan. Uh, We're not a fixed kind of cost builder. We do a lot of cost plus because we are so custom. And I told him, I go, without knowing exactly what you want, I can't really assess 
everything right now, but am I going to be higher than where you're, you're, where you want to be? Yeah. And I tread lightly for somebody that, you know, says they're going to be a lot lower than that and can do it. Mm -hmm. You just need to be careful, do your research. He's like, Oh man, this is the most info I've gotten out of any builders. I'm like, well, I'm just upfront and honest. And he goes, no, man, I appreciate it. I was electrician in Nevada. Um, That's how I ran my business. He goes, you know, even though you might be a little out of my budget, I'm not done talking to you. Know, he goes, I might, you're, you're in the upper tier of my budget though. And I was like, okay. He goes, but I'm going to talk to a few other builders and I'll probably be in touch with you. So it's just, he's like, you're the, been the most upfront and open with me out yeah. of everybody so far. That goes a long way. Big time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what, let's so your turnkey design build too obviously i understand what that is you brushed on it a little bit too so what is a turnkey design build contractor what do you do in the commercial space yeah so if we have a client that says i need to build this building we can go out and hire an architect uh, interior designer to work with the client to get them exactly what they need a lot of the commercial um, companies need like a space planner at first. And so they'll come in and talk to them and they'll come up with like a, a one single sheet kind of outlining how the space will work. And from there, it'll go into design, full construction drawings. And I will come in with mechanical, electrical, plumbing, fire sprinkler, fire alarm, subcontractors for a design build. They have the license to design. They will take the architectural drawings and add in their trade drawings to that, I will bid out the entire project. And then we can go in, present a package to the building department for permit, pull the permit, uh, schedule the work, coordinate all of the work, which is the big thing that a general contractor does, right? We have 25, 35 different trades inside of a building. And it's my job to make sure that all the subcontractors make money. As long as they didn't miss anything, they should make money on the project. And so to do that, I have to make sure that our construction schedules are solid for duration. And I have to make sure that we are checking the field for quality all the time so we don't have to do rework, making sure that we're reaching out subs two weeks in advance to make sure that our job is going to be priority when it comes to it and then make sure that the job is sequenced perfectly. I mean, there's so many people that are in the trades that'll come to us and be like, I want to be a GC. I can be a GC. And the problem is like, if you've done fire sprinkler, you may be great at fire sprinkler, but how are you going to know where the electrical, like how the electrical Mm -hmm. system is going to be put together? How's the HVAC put together? You know, is there a fire alarm? There's security vendors that need to be coordinated. There's a lot that goes on with it with the general contractor that people kind of don't always understand how much value we bring to the table. What you just said right there, I, I mean, I'm I I can I'd love for you to repeat it because it's so spot on. <laughs> you know, people do not understand the value of a general contractor, and then there's people that want to get into contracting too that don't understand the work that goes into it. You know, and, yeah. and I've said this multiple times because I see it all the time too. And there's I don't have a problem with it as long as you're willing to put in the work and learn and do it the right way. It's not just about the dollar figure you're going to make. 
it's about doing it right but you see it that like where i'm at i got painters becoming contractors and building houses now i got uh electricians that want to become a builder i got it's just i got all these random you know uh subcontractors becoming a builder and then they're they're it's just they're not good at it they they figure out Mm -hmm. real quick that there's a lot of steps they don't know and then that's when stuff bad stuff happens you know yeah (laughs) so yeah even just just coordinating inspections right if you don't know the proper sequence of inspections and you cover something up without getting something inspected, you're toast. Because the inspector mm-hmm. ultimately is going to show up some point and say, I didn't look at the the utilities in that wall, rip it open. You know, I'm you can't drop ceiling tile without all your above ceiling, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, and ceiling grid inspections done. You gotta know sequences and you gotta make sure that that you're not delaying the project by because you missed calling an inspection or that one of the above ceiling trades didn't get their stuff done. It's like you have to make sure that all of this stuff hits schedule dates. Otherwise, the job is going to delay and subcontractors are going to move on to other jobs that are ready. And if, if that happens, then you push to the back of the line and, you, and they get mad at you. Like you bring a sub out. And they're, you're, they're not, you're not ready. It's like that labor is wasted. They got a ton of stuff to do. It's like make their life easier, you know, and, and in return, they like, they reward us greatly. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they'll jump through hoops for us. If we have an uh, emergency, they'll show up, you know, it's, it's all about team. And like, I never, I never see like the subcontractor and GC is like adversarial. I'm always like, we're a big team owners of team we're all a big team we're going to get this thing done together and you know it's that's how we run our our company and we pay subs super quickly i've i've had difficulties at past companies where we just didn't have enough money like allocated to to pay subs and i just i hated that i absolutely hated that so a big thing with with jnl is like we pay subs really quick and some subs that are, are like tight, we will even pay them early, even when we haven't received the check from the owner, just to be like, man, we're there for you guys. Mm-hmm. Now we're not being irresponsible, you know, we're, we're not going that far, but yeah, if, if I got a check that I know that's in the mail from the owner and a sub's like, man, I could really use that money. Uh, yeah, sure, man. I can, I got you. No big deal. Yeah, I love that because we're the exact same way when it comes to that. You do a good job. We're going to pay you right away. That's the way we are. You know, if there's there's a hiccup and something needs to get done, obviously we're going to pay you, but we're going to hold a little bit of money too until that gets done too. You have to do it that way sometimes with certain subs, not all of them, um, you know, but we have really good subs too that we're, we pay right away. We always say we pay like gold, you know, because it's yeah. just they do a good job. They do the work. They get it done. They deserve to get paid. You can't hold money from them, you know, because that's just not good business because if you pay, if you do what you're doing to too because it's it is a team and if you do what you're doing uh they're going to be when you need them on the next job they're going to be there ready to go you know they're going to work they're going to be ready to work and so on so it's just it is like a well-oiled machine as far as your whole entire team making these processes go and so on but it has to do with the customer has to be involved in this too if the customer is delaying selections choices stuff like that yeah 
in which I just recently happened where we had a job delayed a month because a customer couldn't make a decision on electrical. So, and these, and we tell them we're very organized and we're ready when we want to keep things moving. Cause that's how we get paid too, as GCs. Yeah. So it's just, that's what customers don't realize sometimes too. If your house isn't moving, we're not getting paid. I know you're not paying us, but it's just, mm-hmm. we want to get your house done and move on so we can get paid. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's one of the reasons that we focus more so on commercial because I'm always like, there's more margin and less emotion. Like the expectations are still high, but at the end of the day, these are the, your workplaces, right? Most of these people are entrepreneurs and they want to get their building done so they can start making money to either pay off the construction loan or just keep their business growing. So that's one of the reasons that we stuck to commercial plus the diversity in the different projects things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't blame you. Cause it is, it's residential. I mean, it's, especially in custom homes, it can be tough sometimes, but it, it, it is enjoyable. You have to enjoy it. I enjoy it. you know, seeing these homes come to life, the custom, you know, build of them and everything and the quality and everything. It's just, it's, but there's, there is some uh, headaches along the way too, as you, I'm sure you learned when you were doing it for a little oh, yeah. bit. <laughs> Same with commercial oh, yeah. though. That's for sure. As far as let's talk about like, uh, you know, just for somebody that is thinking about bidding a job, for example, like how do you go about pricing or bidding a job for somebody in, in commercial? You know, do they just come oh. directly to you? How do you find those clients? Is there sales process? Like how, how's that process going? Yeah. For new clients, it's word of mouth. And, and so we, from working with the, in the industry for 12, 15 years, we've, before we started JNL, we had a lot of great relationships with designers and engineers and developers. And so when we stepped out, we we were able to lean on some of those relationships to tie us to or get us into proximity with the right people. The last company that I was with was a union firm. We are non-union. And so we aren't taking any projects from the last company because they are in the union space. Um, So finding the right people was a little bit difficult, but I mean, when you, when I left, when I left, the company, I was managing a team of about 15 people in like a four wide trailer. And it was a huge operation. It was a several hundred million dollar medical office building. And we had hundreds of people on site. We had a ground up parking garage. I went from that to sitting in my home trying to figure out what I was going to do all day. You know, I used to have 150 plus emails a day and now I'm staring at the screen. I got nothing. So early on, I'm doing these things that I hate to do. I hate to cold call people, but I'm trying to find connections to different people. And so reached out and started having these semi awkward conversations about, you know, how I'm, I'm, I'm the best, but I hate saying that I'm the best type of thing. And, and ultimately like slowly we were able to get opportunities. We had interviews with some developers and they, they grilled us but they knew our background and where we came from and they knew that was the solid company. And so that got our foot in the door and then we just outperformed and just continued to outperform. Plus we have low overhead. So our pricing, 
we're we're on the level with like other top notch contractors in the area, but our pricing is lower because we don't have much overhead. And so that really helped us get started and explode like we have so much. How many actual employees do you have in-house that's not subbed out? Yeah. yeah, so we have four guys in the field and then my business partner and myself. So we're doing oh, $7.5 wow. on that. And we will – so we we started JNL, my business partner and I, with $5,000 each we put into the company. And no loans, just built it from there. We lived off our own savings and just slowly built the company. We would love to have a crew of guys that are doing framing and miscellaneous stuff, probably doors, frames, hardware, stuff like that. But early on, to be able to do that, we would have to leverage a lot of debt for payroll. And that was just something that we did not want to do. We didn't want to leverage our homes and we didn't want to go into a lot of debt. And so... We just did these jobs ourselves. I would I would go out and I would get the job. I would do all of the bidding, all of the subcontracts, and then I would go in the field and I'd run the projects as a superintendent, and then I'd do closeout. So I did everything from start to finish on these initial jobs. And these are clients that are still reaching out to this day for more and more and more. And then the guys that we bring on, it's, it's huge. They have to have the same mindset. And that's why we ended up hiring and firing our first guy because it was at a time where we needed somebody and we did a lot of interviews and we thought we had the right guy and it, he just wasn't the right guy. And you have to be service oriented. You have to be like understanding. You have to be just driven to make the project a success. In, and he wasn't, but now we have four other guys that are just, they're great. They're kicking ass been fun good for you man yeah your story good for you it's amazing what you're doing and obviously you're just beginning i'm sure as far as your growth and everything so uh i love to hear it and and i mean it's as far as you going through that one employee to find those four that actually can work with your company and have those core values within your company too it's not easy to do that you know, and, and that's, that's the thing too, as you build it, you know, more people you're, are you doing your own books and everything too, or do you scale? Yeah, that's me. I'm the CFO. <laughs> wow. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm office admin. Yeah. Everything. I was cutting some checks earlier before we hopped on. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, Hey, that's, that's how you got to do it too. I, we, we personally, as a, I mean, we kind of have those pieces to where I'm doing a lot of stuff similar to yourself, but I have my brother with me, uh, which is obviously my brother's doing a ton of different things. We, we work well together because we're polar opposites. I've said that before too, so we don't really argue. He's quieter. I, I talk a lot. So <laughs> obviously that's why right. I'm doing this podcast right yeah. now, but, uh, right. but, um, yeah, I mean everything has to work, everything has to mesh. Would you so you're think you would hire your own crews at some point and then the benefits of hiring your own crews over subcontractors. I mean, I've discussed this in the past too with past builders, you know, hiring your own crews over time, their wages go up, are they going to be as affordable as a subcontractor? But then again, you have the reliability of that crew and the trust too and you know, mm-hmm. the quality. So what's your opinion on that? 
Yeah, it's it's kind of a fine line, right? Because if you start doing all of your metal stud framing and drywall in, in-house, then you have so many projects and your guys are tied up. Do you still have that relationship with the other subcontractors? Like right now, we'll do some light demo things, but if it gets too big, we have a demo, a couple demo subs that we like to use. Um, just at times, it's nice to have the option and the opportunity to utilize your own force for little things instead of having to call us about to go frame in one door, you know? So we got mm-hmm. two of our, our guys have framing backgrounds. One of them has a demo background. And then one of them has, he's from Chico state also construction management. And so they all kind of have this, these different backgrounds that really bode well to helping us out where we're at right now. So we can do like, like minor minor framing and and little demo stuff but yeah i think in the future it would it would be nice to have a bit of a larger crew just so we can do more self-perform work stuff and and one thing i really wanted to ask you too where do you see because obviously with everything going on we're living in a crazy world i mean you were talking a little bit about this before the show uh with covid and everything uh, more and more people have learned they can work from home. I mean, I got a ton of people moving down here to Florida because now they know they can work in, in the nice weather instead of being up in the cold in the winter or working from us in the city. So as far as commercial, do you see a slowdown in commercial building um, do you, or renovation because more people are learning they can work from home? Uh, what, do you th- what do you think the outcome of this whole thing is going to be? Yeah, it's kind of like, who knows, right? Um, I've done a bit of research and listened to some smart people. And it seems like all the trends are why live in metropolitan areas when you can live two hours away and your cost of living goes way down. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's some super commuters in Sacramento that drive to San Francisco or used to drive to San Francisco. There's people that lived in San Francisco or Palo Alto on these little tiny homes that are worth multi-millions. Why are they going to stay there if they can come out to Sacramento or Roseville, buy a house for a fraction of the price and still do their job? You know, so it's like, it's almost kind of scary. But the thing is, is that you can't build a company really with everybody working from home. You have to have younger team members come into the office and interact with the veterans. How can you build a culture with people staying at home? You can't do that. So I think what we're going to see in the future is a shift to more drop-in open office spaces where maybe you don't have your own office, but you, you have a drop-in space, you know, that, yeah. that shared spaces you come in a couple times a week and you just, you you meet with the team, you kind of download and then you go back home. The problem is like you go back home and like who has two offices in their home? You know, that's not, that's not normal, but it's like you're on a two income household. Right. And so like me right now, I'm in our dining room that we turned into an office. My wife for her business, we had a wet bar that we didn't use. So I ripped that out and did a built in desk so she could have an office, but like, are, are people going to build another, a, a bigger house for two offices? Are they going to buy an extra bedroom? 
to do like another office. And so like my business partner and I were thinking like, we need more space. If we need more space, like other people need more space. So we've come up with this, this idea. It's not brand new, but we're going to start building these luxury like sheds for, for homes. And it's like, we have a couple designers working on the design right now. And it's just like, it's this cool thing that we're starting. It's called shed life. And it's this business that we're starting to build this next year. And it's just like offices, workout spaces, he shed, she shed, you know, (laughs) in-law quarters. And it's just these, like, like I've, I've been checking out the renderings and they're like amazing. Like we've helped design this stuff. Right. But the designers have like put our ideas together and like they're building these different models for us. And it's like, man, this is, this is freaking amazing. This is like what's coming next. If you don't want to, if you don't want to sell your house and buy another house with an extra bedroom so you can turn it into another office, like just buy a shed life and stick it in your backyard. And then when your friends come over, they're going to go outside and be like, what is that? That thing is freaking (laughs) amazing, man. I want one of those. And so like, we're super excited because we're, we've been like developing this for like over the last several months and we've been extremely busy with JNL. And so it's like, just trying to find the time to like dedicate to shed life and make sure that we're, we have the the web designer moving in the right direction and, and that we have the architects moving in the right direction, but man, it's coming to fruition and like we're done with the renderings. We're moving on to construction documents and we're getting ready to start building a few of these like January. So man, dude, it's cool. That's yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, I mean, that's a badass idea. Cause I mean, it's, it's like basically you can have, and it makes sense too, because they building code, you can't, they can't really stop you from putting a shed in your backyard. So you don't have to deal with anything there. Somebody can have a guy can have a man cave or a girl can have, you know, whatever her office space or woman cave back their workout room or whatever. Cause then people don't have to convert their garages, take up their garages with all that space yeah. as well. Like a lot of people were trying to do, you know, it's, it's a great idea. I mean, I, I think that's going to pre- go pretty far. So, um, yeah, man, people need space. You know, they're not, they're not a lot of people are hurt, hurting cause they have too much space. When you, your kids are like distance learning. I have, I have two offices in my house and then my kids have two desks in the house because in March they were like kicked out of school. Right. So I'm just like busting at the seams. And so it's just, just crazy. Cause like, I swear, man, sometimes God will put an idea on your mind and like, it is your obligation to like run that idea down fully. And so this thing just like came to us. It was my business partner was actually looking to try to get, one of these things on his property. Cause there's already, that's there's awesome. a company out there that that's been around for a while. And like, he reached out to them, no response like five different times. And then like, we saw some stuff in the news about need people needing extra space. And we're just like, man, I mean, we're builders. We know what we're doing. Let's just, let's do this. Let's offer the service and help out people, you know, give them something that they truly love. Even if it's an entertainment space, you know, you have a big wrap around deck or something, just like give them something, something to get them away from the house outside, bring the outside in and just like, 
if they need to take a conference call without like their kids running around, you know, you're trying to hit mute. So you're not, and then like yell at your kids, like get out of here, you know, <laughs> just making sure that you're on and off mute. Like you need a space, like shed life, man. That's where it's at. <laughs> I love it. I so, love yeah. it, man. Yeah. We're, we're pretty amped up about uh, our, our business, our second business that we're coming up with. No, I love it. And and going back to like commercial in general, I really do agree with you. I don't think it's going, I mean, to an extent, it's going to change. Obviously, things change over time. Me personally, I like going to the office. I feel like I get more work done in an office environment than I do at home. I'm sure there's a lot of like-minded people like myself uh, as far as running uh, running a business too having everybody there within that business to be able to communicate with each other, not through a computer. Uh, that's another big thing to me as well. And build that culture, like you said, because you can't really have that through computer and, and the more you want to build, and especially in small business, you know, it's, it's very important in small business, maybe in corporations, they can operate through computers because it's not as personal in a lot of ways, yeah. but Small businesses, you're getting more personal, especially in the bill, our field too. You have to have those pieces where you're present. And um, I don't see, you know, I and maybe people renting space too, or at least like having, I see it with real estate because I do it as well. Just having kind of, as a realtor, you don't really need an office, but to have that office as kind of that mm-hmm. pit stop or check-in point. I've been seeing that kind of pop up too, especially with 100% yeah. brokerages, um, that, which is huge where you might have some interaction with the broker if you do need something or a, or a coordinator or something like that. So I agree with you. I don't see it going anywhere. I just wanted your opinion on that. And then the shed thing is going to probably kill it. So definitely yeah. keep moving forward with that. That's an awesome Dude, idea. Yeah. We'll just bring our service mind you know, to that and then it'll just be another experience. Um, yeah. I'm stoked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it'll go far. I got no, I got no doubt about it because people need stuff like that, especially in, in certain areas too. I mean, here in Florida, we haven't been locked down for a while. Um, but if you're locked at home and other places in the country or even after the fact too, because even once things open up again, people, like you said, maybe your wife wants to get away. All right. Walk out the back door, go into the backyard. You got that shed there to where you can just lock the door and relax for a little and get away from everything while you watch the kids. So Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, um, one thing I wanted to ask too, we're getting towards the end here. Uh, some innovative solutions as far as building that you're starting to see coming to the picture and commercial. What do you, what are you seeing? Is there anything happening in, in your world? Yeah, you know, it's that's that's funny because I'd like to. I was, I was thinking a lot about innovation and like where we stand on it. And so, previous company, I I've done the whole laser scanning in operating rooms. I've done been on teams with huge BIM models, the building information management system. I've done that, and it seems like over the past couple of years, like everybody's pushed for technology just to say that they're on like the bleeding edge. And like, we're not about that at all. We want to make sure that if we do any, any technology on, on our products, that it, it has a point and a purpose. We're not just, we're not just going to go with the fad just because it's there. 
we're we're basically going back to basics is what JNL is about. We're service minded and we want to make sure that the clients are happy. Now we definitely use some programs, but we're not going to use technology just to say like we're innovative. Okay. Yeah. If that okay. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense too. What about material wise? Are you seeing anything in material wise for innovation and faster building time, something like that? Or is that still a thing of the future? You know, yeah, I mean, there are different things, different systems. I mean, when I was in the hospital um, sector, there's there's some fully um, like built uh, modular systems that they were using for ceilings and walls and and things like that. There's there's some CMU alternatives for blocks that are cheaper and go up quicker. Um, there's things that are out there. I feel like a lot of the the stuff that we're doing is is doesn't really require that level of innovation on materials because it's not, we're not looking at several hundred dollars a square foot hospitals. We're not looking at like a four to 500 dollar a square foot, $200,000 hospital where you're stamping out these rooms. And if you're able to figure out how to build it in the shop and uh, as a modular system and come connect it, you're reducing, you know, $400 $400 million project down by reducing it out $30 million. We're looking at at much smaller scale, you know, $65 a square foot on some cases upwards around of hundred, depending on where it's at. And so that doesn't really take all of those, the material systems into play. We're building out office spaces using metal stud framing, drywall, and, mm-hmm. you know, our standard building materials. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's more stuff to come where they might be able to laser print a building or something like that. And if you, yeah, <laughs> but we're not there yet. So, I getting like I said, getting towards that, and I like a little fun question for you. I mean, obviously, we all have obstacles in building. Um, what's one of the biggest obstacles you've had to face? If something, what something that's really bad that happened that, and how did you face it? How did you take it on? If anything bad oh, happened, <laughs> something bad that no, I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that's bad that's happened bad to our business. I like to say that we pre-plan everything out just to make sure that things don't happen. Great answer, and and that's how like I was raised up. I've done some pretty crazy things. I, I've built on a data center a right on the side of a data center i built a outdoor economizer basically used outside air cooling to cool the 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 servers and so part of it was dropping a precast concrete perimeter wall 100 foot down or 15 foot high 100 foot long on the other side 18 inches are the servers that were running the entire time and the vp when he was handing me the job told me that one of the engineers bumped the ethernet cable in one of these data centers and Rite aids across the country couldn't fill prescriptions for several hours and saying, don't mess this job up. And so like, that's what I've always been used to, like these high stress, high project jobs. And when we were getting ready to drop those walls down, like I didn't feel comfortable with the process. And so I told them like, no, we're not doing it. Like (laughs) I'm not good with this. I know everybody else is. I'm not. So we need to figure it out. And, when you're dealing with construction, you, it's 
it's inherently dangerous. You know, you got cranes, you got energized panels, you got all these things that if you don't think about things beforehand, it's like so quickly that somebody could end up in the hospital or dead. And that's not where I don't want to be on the other side of that. I don't want to have to call somebody up and let them know that, Hey, because I didn't think this process through completely your husband's dead. He's not coming home today. Like that's, that's not going to happen. So like, besides that, like I screw up all the time, but it's not a a huge magnitude. Right. I mean, the other day I'll tell you, I screwed up on one of the projects with a client that we've had for a long time. I built out a change order and a portion of that change order was not done and it was not needed to be done. And so when I found out, I just, I felt horrible, horrible. So I called up the owner and I said, man, I feel so bad. You know, I charge you like $2,600. Now this is on about $1.4 million worth of work, but still $2,600 for work that I didn't put in place. Like I don't deserve that money. And so I was like, man, I feel so bad. Can I cut you a check? Can we reduce it from the next project? What can I do to make this right? And so like, that's what we do. We had a, we had our company little get together the other day where we sat the guys down and I told them, I said, man, sometimes there's a lot of stress on us. Actually, a lot of times there's a lot of stress on us. And sometimes we get comfortable with clients and sometimes we say stuff that we probably shouldn't say. And if that ever happens to you, you guys have no idea how easy, like a little, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, or just reach out and apologize and just be like, man, own your mistakes. Even if they're small, just be like, own it. And it, it goes such a long way. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. When you own what your mistakes, people respect you more for it. I mean, you may, depending on what it is, you may get some hell for it at first, but you know, overall people respect you for telling the truth, just doing it right. And so on. And I mean, that goes a long way too. And like you said, with the money thing as well, I mean, your honesty with that too, that goes a long way when you're honest with people. I mean, it, it goes, it goes around it's karma. I mean, it's just, you know, you do the right thing, you're going to get the right thing in return. So I'm a big believer in that as well. So, um, Getting towards the end here, my favorite question, getting a little more personal with you. So I always ask this question to everybody on my show. It's a big one. It's a real thinker too. So um, what about you personally? You've built an amazing company and brand that continues to grow every single day. What lessons have you learned throughout your journey that we should all apply to our own business or lives that can help us grow? Big question. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of simple. It's like, if you want something, you need to take actionable steps to achieve that. I worked really hard early on on our finances and then mental toughness to be able to go through all of these stresses. I mean, you'll, you'll find some entrepreneurs that are like, man, I'm not scared of shit. It's like, I'm just going to work my way through it. I'll tell you what I am. There are plenty of times when I can hardly sleep because I'm worried about the next job and I'm covered for like four months. Right. But I still, it's like, I got these guys that, that have spouses, they have kids, they have mortgages. It's like, I 
I stress out about this stuff. And so I think it's, I think you got to be honest. And so working mentally, you got to be honest with yourself about things that you're worried about, but you just got to keep working through it because things will happen and you'll get to the places you want to be. Honesty and integrity is absolutely the only way to go. And then like, I like to tell people that I'm in the service industry with the emphasis on construction. And it's like, that is like all I got. And it's all big picture. Stop being short-sighted. It's like, think about, think about the next 20 years. Don't think about next month. It's like, that's the only way you can do it. I mean, when COVID hit, we had $3 million worth of projects going on. Half of our projects shut down. We had all of our guys. I know other companies that laid off people like immediately. I told my guys, everybody's moving to the jobs that we have. So I'm keeping you guys employed. And I said, I'm not shutting down until they come and tell me that they're either going to pull my license or throw me in jail because you guys need to feed your families and your kids. So it's just, it's just one of those things. It's yeah. Did I answer the question? No, <laughs> uh, great answer. I mean, that's the difference. That's the difference between you. I mean, I get a different answer on that question every single time. Nobody's been the same. So I love your answer. Because that's the difference between you and uh, and a lot of under uh, a lot of other contractors, unfortunately, um, for those contractors, you know, is that you actually care. I mean, you were willing to stay open no matter what to take care of these guys and make sure they can feed their families, pay their mortgages, and so on. Not a lot of builders would do that, unfortunately. But not a, a lot of builders, even COVID or no, co- you know, COVID or with no COVID. Um, would even care that much about their employees because your employees are your company as well. They are that major piece to the company that keeps everything moving, you know, just like your customers as well. They're just as important. You want your employees happy. You want your customers happy. And then you're happy too as the business owner. So what you did, I mean, that's where you stand out 100%. That's Yeah. So one thing I would say is like my employees, are the biggest asset to my company. I mean, so many owners or business owners will think of their employees as like a liability or maybe that they should be happy that they have a job. It's like when, when my biggest asset goes home every night and goes to sleep, I need to make sure that I am making sure that they are taken care of. So that's huge for us. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I, yeah, I'm the same exact way too. So um, definitely respect you for that as well. Uh, another question I always like to ask, obviously I ask about your past, but let's hear about your future. Where will we see Coleman Jones in five, 10 years, 15 years? Where, where will you be? Where will the company be? Yeah. So me personally, future goals is to have continue having like, an amazing relationship with my wife and hopefully one day we just both die at the same time and we can go on (laughs) and then having kids that are just like, like badasses, right. That enjoy their life. They love what they're doing, whether they're in our businesses or not, just want them to be a functioning member of society. That's happy. Uh, JNL, we're going to be right now. Our goal is to be 20 to $30 million a year 
in the Sacramento region. I don't know if that's going to shift. Who knows? We may get there and say, you know what? I like $50 million mark. We don't want to go too crazy because we want to make sure that we're a team. I want to have employees that have ridiculous salaries that grow their careers that can ultimately step in and run the business with just us as more oversight. And then shed life, that's a nationwide thing. That's that's something we're scaling to just go massive with it. And that, I don't know if it's a franchise opportunity or we keep it in-house with a big warehouse and go all point-to-point sales. We're still trying to figure that out. But we think, we know that we can, we have a big community that we want to serve and we need to make sure that we keep the quality and service like tucked in our arms just to make sure that it is like, it's perfect. Um, and we'll probably have a few more businesses out there. My business partner always said that he, he wants to build a, a mobile coffee shop. So maybe on our, our commercial property, we're looking probably this next year to, to hopefully purchase a commercial place. So maybe there'll be a coffee shop on there. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, it's like us as entrepreneurs, <laughs> we're always doing something, right? So it's like with me now, I'm, I'm, doing sports cards and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's all this stuff that I always, and, and it's, I'm the same way as you. It's just opportunities, whatever we can do and whatever we enjoy doing too. But the, it's also helping people is the, the big thing with it. So um, last question, what this show is all about, what exactly do people need to look for when hiring a commercial contractor and why should they choose Coleman Jones? as their contractor of choice? Yeah, I think some of the most important things is a company reputation. Who is going to be running your project? Because maybe the face of the company is really cool in the interview, but maybe it's going to be uh, Jim that's covering 12 other jobs and he's just a flyby superintendent. So you got to make sure who's going to be interacting and who's going to be running the project for them. And then why choose me? I mean, I, I, it's just, it comes down to service. It comes down to, we care. We we're really, it doesn't matter if we, we're not about hitting a home run, like for fee on every single project. I'm totally fine with hitting singles all day long. And as long as we're building a relationship and the client is super happy with us, that's what we're about. We're not about one job. We're about a relationship. I love it, man. This has been, this has been awesome. Uh, I, like I said, I was excited to have you on. So I covered a lot of stuff as far as commercial that, I mean, I'm sure we can sit here for another four hours talking about construction <laughs> for sure, but I really do appreciate you. Last thing too, where can people find and connect with you? Yeah, I'm all over the place. Um, on Instagram as coolman.jones on Facebook is Coleman Jones. Or you can look up Jones Lamberti Builders, shed-life.com. That'll be coming out soon. And then our online clothing store is joshlin-boutique.com. And that right there is a, a passion project for my wife. Like we didn't get into it much, but we did adopt our niece and we went through Sierra Forever Families to go through that adoption. And so the goal of Jocelyn's Boutique is to be able to give back to the underfunded um, uh, foster to adopt system that is like nationwide. And so my wife, she used to work for the state 
wasn't really she basically hated it and then jnl got to a place to where we could she could take a step off of that and then she started building this company within a week of her starting that full-time the kids were like covid's here and we have no more school so she's been like focused and i got sun going crazy um so she's been focused on that but that's been a great learning experience too and so it's it's fun that's where you can find me Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to check that out and the sheds too. I want to see the, what these things look like. <laughs> I'll share, I'll, I'll email you some of the renderings. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see that too. Uh, Cause that's awesome. But now Coleman, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on today. Uh, this has been awesome. Like I said, I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Sorry. The sun's like freaking out right now, but yeah, it's it a fun experience. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. No, you look like you got heaven coming in your room right now. I know. (laughs) (laughs) With that being said, guys, thank you all for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, uh, five-star ratings on iTunes, and I will see you guys on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Real Build. And guys, if you would just take a little bit of your time to write a review below, I'd really appreciate it. It doesn't take long. Obviously, reviews are going to make this show be heard by more people. And that's what we need. We need to get this out there. So please write a review, share it with your friends and family. And thank you so much for everybody that's listening. And I'll see you guys on the next episode.